0: Welcome, everybody. Great to see you guys this weekend, everybody online and at Montrose. Thanks for joining and gathering together as well. Uh, I know uh, earlier they, uh, the, they mentioned about the HOPE Project, and I hope that you guys uh, take a look at that. That's the tags on the trees. It's uh, out in the lobbies. It's how we uh, engage our community throughout the holiday season. And we, on purpose, shifted that project Uh, this year so that it's kind of less about buying things for people and more about spending time with them. And so we really want you to be able to like kind of connect with people. There are certainly like physical needs, you know, and some of that's out there too, where we need to just help people. Uh, But we really wanted you to be able to get in relationships with each other and across cross some of like the normal boundaries that, that we would kind of have in our life, just kind of the rhythms of our life. Uh, I like to say that once you love somebody, you're no longer afraid of where they live, and once you love somebody, you're no longer intimidated by the fact that you don't understand them. And so that's how we connect. We, we, we have to kind of take those first steps, connect to each other, get to know each other, and when you start loving each other, like all that stuff like washes away really, really quick. So that's kind of our goal this year and encourage you to do that, to take a little bit of time and invest it. That, that may or may not mean finances, uh, but that's kind of what we wanna emphasize. And then if you don't have the time, some of us are in a, a season of life or even a season of the year where you're like, Jeff, the last thing I can do is give time. There's still like material needs that we can meet and want to meet for people. Uh, but just take the time to check all that out and, uh, and be a part of it, and it's a, it's a great investment, okay? All right, we're going to start talking about peace and anxiety and uh, how that shows up in our lives. So i just do a, a quick survey here uh, just to make sure I chose a good thing to talk about. How many of you had any stress in your life today? Just raise your hands. If that person is near you, point at them. Uh-huh, yeah. marriage counseling's on Tuesday. So like like stress, how many of you had stress this week? Raise your hands. If you've had stress or anxiety in the last year, raise your hands. Let's say, I don't know, let's pick a time frame. Maybe the last two and a half years, if anything stressful happened in your life, raise your hands, okay? So anxiety and peace, Like, it's something that we're all dealing with, right? And And when I say anxiety, I kind of mix it. It's anxiety, stress, fatigue, worry, it's like, All that kind of stuff goes together and it's a big part of our lives and it's a bigger part of our lives a more persistent part of our lives than it used to be. Uh, I was reading an article uh, from Psychology Today and they said that the average North American high school teenager would report the same level of stress in their life today that the average psychiatric patient reported in their life in 1950. And, and we can look at that and we're like that's a weird stat and we can, you gotta be careful cause you'll be, you know, some of us are like snowflakes, such a problem, toughen up. And I would, I would pause on that a little bit and I would say it's, that's probably true if you think about it. Uh, in 1950, uh, probably your family lived under one roof. Mom and dad were probably at home and if you were the rare person that wasn't true, your grandparents were married and together. Uh, the, the, when you went to school, the safety factor, the tension factor in school would have been much different like in 1950 than it is like today. Uh, when you think about social pressures in 1950, you could escape them. So when you left school, you got away from the bully. You got through the weekend. You had summer break, all those kind of things. Like that stuff follows you now because of our, of our phones, Uh, When you think about like FOMO stuff, like in 1950, you didn't know that you didn't get invited to the party and now it's like in, in your face all the time. If you stop and think about it, the things that cause stress and anxiety and worry, it would be very different. It'd be very different the amount of stuff that would come at you, the level of stuff that would come at you and the places that you would go that were safe. Like in 1950, you probably trusted the church you probably trusted your pastor you probably trusted your priest like the safe places were actually safe and restorative and now we walk in a society where we're kind of always on alert we're kind of always something else is going on and every time our phone beeps beeps our life is interrupted and so if you think about it it's probably pretty accurate and it's how we live and it's a part of how we live and if we ask each other uh, how, do you feel anxiety? You feel stress? You feel pressure? You feel grief? Are you are you worn out? Where? And most of us would be like, "Yep, I'm in that category," and it's kind of the way that we live right now. So we're going to talk about this for a little bit now. To kind of to kind of uh, lay a foundation of how the conversation is going to go. I, I, I what I did was I took. Anxiety, and I broke it into two broad categories so that we're just kind of clear that we're having like the right conversation, right? So, the first broad category, I just called it clinical anxiety disorder. So, we know from medical research that some of us struggle with anxiety disorder. And what anxiety disorder is, oftentimes, it's a chemical imbalance, it's a physical thing. So it's a chemical imbalance which causes our brain to be on high alert all the time. So that our kind of fight or flight mechanism is like on overdrive. And it will cause us to alert, it'll cause us to react, it'll cause us to respond, sometimes to everyday things as if it's a life and death situation. And it's a medical condition. It's a condition where psychologists and psychiatrists and medicine need to be involved. And at Grace Church, when we talk about things like clinical anxiety disorder, or maybe clinical depression, those kind of things, when we think about that stuff, what we would say is this, we believe doctors and medicine is a gift from God and should be utilized. So we believe doctors and medicine is a gift from God and it should be utilized. God will help, he is a part of all that, but just like if I had a heart problem or a diabetes problem or some other chemical imbalance, if I have that in the area of mental health, Grace Church would look and say that we believe that doctors and medicine is a gift from God and we should utilize or accept those gifts from God, okay? So as we talk about all this, I'm actually not going to talk about this. I am not a, a, that kind of a doctor and I do not diagnose these things and I put that into a broad category I, I know that that breaks into all kinds of different categories. That's not the conversation that you're, we're going to have. But I would say this. If you struggle with this, your church loves you. And if we can help connect you to the right doctors and medicine, we would love to do that. Okay? You Just, you just communicate with us about it. But this is not the conversation we're going to have. The conversation we're going to have is in this other category. And I just made it up and it's the category that I just called life anxiety it's the pressures of life the circumstances of life and it stems from insecurities it stems from lack of certainty it stems from fear it stems from pain it has all kinds of roots all kinds of ways that it shows up into our life but it's what we all just kind of raised our hand about And if I went back and said, let's talk about the things, you're stressed, you're worried, you're anxious, you can't get sleep about at night, it's that category of thing where we would say, the job's on the line, the kids are struggling, the marriage is rocking, my roommate malfunctioned, I think I'm not gonna get accepted into my grad school. It's the life anxieties that we deal with. And these are anxieties that we can process, we bring before God, we're gonna see, and as we go through this, that God has a lot to say, about all of this, he has a lot of concern about it. He actually cares a ton that these things are a part of our lives. These are not things that we fix and they go away forever. These are burdens that we bear, right, because it shifts through life. When you're, like, in high school, you're anxious about who's going to take you to homecoming. When you get into college, you're anxious about whether you're going to meet somebody to marry them. When you get married, you're anxious about your marriage. When you have kids, you're anxious about your kids. When you have grandkids, you're anxious about your grandkids. And then finally, you get to go be with the Lord and you can rest a little bit. That's kind of the way life works. So these are the things that just kind of go through life with us. Jesus would look at his people, his followers, and say, I want to engage that. I want to engage that because you have within you the Holy Spirit who can bring peace that causes you to live differently. That different life and perspective brings glory to me and brings witness to me. It, it, it kind of helps me make sense of the people around you. So, this is something that God wants to be a part of, He is a part of and that he speaks to in our life. And this is uh, something we're gonna talk about for the next little bit. Now, as we talk about this here for the next little bit, uh, we're gonna set up shop in Philippians chapter three and four. So if you got a Bible, it's Philippians chapter three and four, this is uh, on the notes, it's on the app. By the way, if you don't have a, physic, a newer copy of a physical Bible and you want one, uh, just stop at the information desk after services and, and we'll, we'll get you one, okay, as a gift. But Philippians chapter three or four, and we're just we're going to hang out here for a while, and we're gonna we're gonna see what God has to say to us. So let me read the parts of this we're going to talk about, and then uh, and then we'll jump into it this weekend. So Philippians chapter three or four, the apostle Paul is speaking on God's behalf, and this is what he says: But we followers of Jesus are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for Him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Tell everyone, uh, let everyone see that you are, are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear friends, uh, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Right? Now, there is a ton in these passages. And what we're going to do here for uh, the next weeks is we're going to go back and we're going to like pull that passage apart piece by piece. Because in there is a a way that God is addressing our anxiety, our stress, our worry. In there is a path, in there are promises, in there are practices that as followers of Jesus, as citizens of heaven, we can put in place so that we can have or invite or take full advantage of this peace that God is offering us, all right? So we're going to go down that path. Now, this weekend, I want to narrow the conversation sharply. And this weekend, what I want to do is I want to give you one principle. We're going to talk about kind of something you can get your head around and utilize, that, like, right now. So I'm going to give you one principle. I'm going to make one confession to you. I'm going to tell you something. And then I'm going to give you two practical tools. And then we're actually going to utilize those tools this weekend, Okay. So one principle, one confession, two practical tools, okay? So here's the principle. I want to give you this one principle. Here's a little something. If we can get our head around this principle, it will change our perspective about anxiety. If we can get our head around this principle, it will cause us to have an action plan for anxiety. So instead of just feeling it or experiencing it or feeling like, trapped or stuck or obsessed about it or weighted down by it, if we can get our head around this one principle, it will actually give us an action plan. It'll give us a way to move and a thing to do that can help to bring hope and help to our anxiety, okay? So here's the one principle, ready? One principle is this. Anxiety can act as a tool to point me toward hope that is helpful. Anxiety can act as a tool that can point me toward hope that is helpful. And if I can think of anxiety as a tool, if I can think of it as something that I can use, what will happen is it will begin to move anxiety from something that hurts me or drives me crazy to something that I can utilize to seek help, okay? Anxiety can act as a tool that can point me toward hope that is helpful, right? You ever wonder why God made us in such a way that we experience pain? You ever think about that? Because pain is what we're usually trying to get away from. But the Bible says that God is our creator, the Bible says we're created in his image, and so even my physical body, God created my physical body to experience pain, right? Usually, we think of pain as punishment. That's how I thought of it growing up because my mother would inflict pain on a certain part of my body when I was bad, right? And so she would punish me with pain. But punishment is not the purpose of pain. Pain is a gift because it's an alert. It's an alert, right? So I'm of the age that I experience pain for no particular reason. That's what happens. The other day, I woke up. Heidi and I woke up together, our alarms went off, and I went to get out of bed. And when I went to get out of bed, I was like, ah. And Heidi's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I'm in pain. And she's like, where does it hurt? I'm like, the back of my leg, the back of my leg is just killing me. And, and, and she said, can you stand up? I was like, no, I cannot stand up. She's like, do you need help? I'm like, don't touch me, right? I'm in pain. And she goes, she goes let's try to get you on your feet. And I got up on my feet and like I fell, Onto my bed. And she's like, what's your problem? I was like, there's pain in the back of my leg. And she goes, what she goes, did you do something? I said, all I did was go to bed. And like now I woke up this way and I'm in pain. And she goes, she goes, What do you think it is? I said, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea what this pain is, right? Now that pain causes me to alert. I don't know what the pain is. I don't know why the pain is, but it tells me something's wrong. And when it tells me something's wrong, what that does is that causes me to go look for what's wrong. Pain isn't a punishment. It's a tool that sends me on a journey, right? I've never called the doctor so fast. I almost like call the ambulance called the hospital. Like I was just like you got and then I was like be a baby. So but but I I went and I found out why that pain was in my body. Ready? If you can get this principle, it's life-changing. It's small with huge ramifications. If I can think of anxiety as an alert, anxiety as an alert, there's something making me anxious, something stressing me, something worrying me, something keeping me up at night. If I can think of anxiety, instead of a torment, oh, I'm dry, I'm going out of my mind. If I can think of it as a tool that causes me to go on a search, I'm gonna search for what's happening in my heart, and as I start to figure that out, I'm gonna search for what Christ has to say about what's happening in my heart. Let me show you how this works a little bit, okay? Just using that passage that we looked at, the beginning of it in Philippians, I'll show you how this works a little bit, okay? So for instance, some of us have anxiety about security, and we feel insecure. I don't, I don't know what's happening around me. The world changed, I can't keep up. I don't know what's happening around me. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know about my job. I don't know what school I'm gonna go to. The election didn't go the way I wanted it to go. I have, I'm, I feel anxious because I'm lacking security. That anxiety is now an alert. I'm tense, my heart's racing, my mind's obsessing. It's an alert. It's an alert that can take me on a search what would God have to say to me that might bring helpful hope to my feeling insecure? As an example, God might say to you this. We looked at this earlier. You are citizens of heaven where Jesus Christ lives. You feel like life's out of control. You feel like you don't know where you belong, you feel insecure, but let me tell you, through the scripture, Jesus would say, what's true of you. Your culture may be unfamiliar to you, but your kingdom is secure and cannot be defeated. And you're a citizen of that kingdom, your earthly kings, your politician, your bosses, your boyfriend, whoever it was that you thought was going to take care of you, they may fail you, but your heavenly king will never leave you or forsake you. That's what truth is. If I can allow anxiety to alert me, to go search for what's actually happening, I can find God, and I can find a truth about God, and I can bring that truth to bear on that anxious place. And then suddenly, anxiety that's tormenting me, anxiety that's driving me nuts, anxiety that's putting me over the top, suddenly that anxiety has hope infused into it. And that little infusion of hope breaks the cycles of anxiety. Now listen. It doesn't mean that you'll never be anxious again because we're going to be anxious on and off our whole lives. And we're going to be anxious to different degrees our whole lives. It's life. But when anxiety is overwhelming me, the truth of God brings a hope to a situation that feels hopeless to me. A simple truth of my citizenship my protection, my security doesn't come from earth. It comes from my king, the king of the kingdom of which I belong. A Bunch of us would feel anxious about our health, right? Health's a pretty normal thing to feel anxious about. What would God say? Well, just using this passage of Philippians. Well, God would say this about our health. He would say that God is gonna take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. God has control over your body. He says that he's the great physician. He also says that what is mortal is going to be swallowed up by life. God would say that this earthly life is not even the life that his followers were created to live. We're created to live an eternal life. Suddenly, when I realize that I'm a citizen of the kingdom... And the king has power over my body. It changes my perspective on health. It changes how I would pray about healing. It changes how I would think about even death. And it doesn't, doesn't I didn't say it all goes away and you're never gonna worry about it again. I said it alerts you to use anxiety to find Christ who will bring helpful hope that did not exist at all that wasn't there before and it changes the equation of our anxiety many of us would be anxious about just circumstances fill in your blank whatever happened this week what will we think about circumstances if i if i'm nervous about circumstances and when I was looking for maybe God's perspective or what would bring hope to me, I could go back to Philippians chapter three and God would say this, this will be the truth, that that same God is gonna change my moral body. That power, he has power to bring everything under his control. There is not a circumstance in my life that is outside of God's control. There's not a circumstance in my life that God isn't redeeming or working together for my good, which by the way does not mean that he takes me out of pain. It means that he utilizes everything in my life. It's very different To be anxious because I can't believe or I don't know why this is happening to me, that's very different than I'm not sure why this is happening to me, but my savior does. And I'm a citizen of his kingdom and he's my king. And anxiety can alert us. Ah, my leg's killing me, I gotta go to the doctor. It can alert us. It's a tool, it can be used as a tool to go search for Christ who can bring helpful hope to a situation that often feels helpless. That one principle can be life-changing. That one principle can get you through the night. That one principle can get you over your temptations to relapse. That one principle can keep you in the house when you want to run away after the fight with your spouse. That one principle can change a whole lot of stuff. When I just approach anxiety differently, I use it as opposed to it abusing me, right? Now, one principle, one confession. Here's a confession for you. Probably most of you would not think of me as a person who struggles with anxiety, but I do, I do. Uh, I am a person who takes life probably too seriously. So I think a lot about being a dad and a husband and a pastor, and I take a lot, a lot of responsibilities for those things. And then God created me in such a way that He gave me this brain that's a gift and a curse because my brain does not turn off ever. So, like, going to bed for me at night is like this multi layered process. Heidi, my wonderful wife, has a superpower, where she's like, "Good night, <laughs> gone." Not me, man. It's a long process, and God forbid I start thinking about something, I will be up all night, right? So I struggle with anxiety, and I have my my whole life. I used to ignore it, and I used to think, "Ah, just don't worry about this. Just stuff it away. It will never come back to bite you." That's not true. I also used to minimize it. Be like, I'm worried, and it was like, ah, don't be a baby. You know, don't be a baby. Suck it up, buttercup. That doesn't work either. What I most often do is I blame other people for it. You know what the problem is? You're the problem, like you specifically, are the problem, right? You're the problem, and you're the problem, and if you would, if you didn't, if you should have, and you could have... So I struggle with it and I wrestle with it in all those ways, especially if I'm tired and especially if I'm spent. Now I learned this little principle. I learned this little principle that if I can think of anxiety as a tool and not legitimize everything that I'm feeling or thinking, but if I can use it as a tool, I can bring helpful hope to bear and that's a game changer for me, right? So I'll give you an example. Uh, Last week I had a a long week. Uh, We were actually training pastors from all over the country right here at Grace. We had pastors that represented 80,000 people in their churches right here and we were training them and and coaching with them and working with them. It was a blast, but it was a a long week. It was a great week, but it was a long week. In the middle of that, my friend died. Uh, So my friend went in for a, a, a heart surgery on Monday and he died, he was 88 years old. Dear friend, major mentor in my life, huge figure at Grace Church. I'll tell you his story another time, but he died. And Friday, uh, his family asked if I would talk at his funeral. So I had a long week, and it was like capped off with me talking at my friend's funeral, right? So now I'm away from all that, and I'm trying to rest on my day off, and I wake up, and I wake up, and I'm in the funk. You know the funk? I know the funk, I'm in the funk. And I wake up and I'm grumpy and I'm anxious and I'm running through a to-do list in my mind and I'm worried about getting it done because I got stuff to do, right? And everything I tried to do wouldn't go right and it drove me nuts. And you know whose fault it was? Whoever wrote these instructions, whoever put this thing together, whoever invented weed eaters, like that's whose fault everything was and I was mad about it. Heidi came out to the barn and she saw that I was in the funk. And she said, are you doing okay? And I'm like, yeah, the problem is, the problem is, the problem is. She's like, yeah, I got a meeting, see you. Like, she knows to run away, right? She didn't do that. But she looked at me, and she's like, hey, you're wrestling today. What do you think? So we talked a little bit. I went, and I hopped on my tractor, and I was uh, driving around, kind of thinking about this stuff. And I started to try to enact this principle. If I can think of anxiety as an alert... So instead of acting in it, living in it, and being trapped in it, I want to use it. Why do I feel this way? And I go searching for answers. Number one, I'm exhausted, right? I'm exhausted, a nap would go a long way. Here's number two, ready? My friend died, my friend died. and I really love him, he meant a lot to me. And I don't care if he's 88. I love him and he meant a lot to me. Right? So I'm grieving that. I'm grieving that. Well, old people die. Well, now I want to hit you in the face. Right? I don't care. To me, see, it hurt. And, and I love him and I'm going to miss him. And him being proud of me meant something to me. So not having that voice in my life means something to me. Right? Now, it alerted, figured that out. Now I'm going to go to God's word. Now, what does God say about death? God says that He met Him. God says that death has no victory over the believer. God says that He and I will be re- reunited again. Doesn't make all the pain go away. What it does is is it infuses hope into a situation that felt hopeless. And now, while I'm thinking about it, I'm not just thinking about the absence of my friend. I'm thinking about my friend's presence before Christ. It's a completely different thought process. It's a complete interruption to the, the cycles that were kicking so hard in my brain. Right? I was sitting there, and I was able to take that anxiety as a tool. I'm just giving you an example as a tool. I go searching for Christ. I find what he has to say about that situation. I welcome that into my life. It's helpful. It's hopeful. And it completely changed the trajectory of my thought process, my worry, my stress, my anxiety that day. One principle, one confession. This is why the Apostle Peter says this. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Right? Peter looks at us and he's saying, guys, do you understand this? Somehow, somehow we're, we're fearful of discounting what we feel by putting confidence in our faith. Sometimes we feel like, if I put confidence in my faith, I'm ignoring what I feel. That's not what I'm talking about. Sometimes we're afraid, if I put confidence in my faith, I'm stuffing my feelings. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about my faith being stronger than my feelings and utilizing my feelings to take me to my faith. So Peter is looking and he's saying, guys, that, that's the process. Because Jesus, Jesus Christ, who stepped out of heaven and put skin on so that we could understand him, Jesus, who has moments of being overwhelmed by anxiety. The clearest is in the garden right before he's gonna go to the crucifixion. Jesus, who stepped away and would put his mind on the truth of his father. He would pray and interact with his father. That Jesus, who laid down his life for you. That Jesus, who by his own power, took it up again. That Jesus, who is the author of your salvation. The Jesus that you would trust Trust to save your eternal soul from hell is the Jesus that we trust to save my mind from anxiety. And if he can handle my salvation, he can handle my anxiety. And Peter's like, so give it to him. Give it to him. And sometimes we look and say, oh, I, I've done that. It's a habit, it's a response. I'm gonna be all worked up about something else tomorrow because that's the way I'm wired. That's why Heidi calls me Sparky. I'm always a little amped up, right? And I have had to learn to receive that differently. I can't make it go away. I'm not sure I want to. Me being a little up is kind of part of what makes me me. You feeling things deeply is a part of the wonder of who you are. You being so empathetic that you feel other people's pain is part of the glory of how God created you. Some of the things that lead you to be anxious or to feel stressed is part of the incredible ways that God gifted you. That doesn't go away. It's not supposed to. It's supposed to be used not to overwhelm us, but to point us toward Christ, and then we cast that to Christ. We entrust him with that, and the gospel of Jesus, which is not just don't go to hell, it's be completely transformed and renewed by who Christ, The God of your salvation is the God of your stress. The the God who created the heavens and the earth is the one who cares for you. His words, not mine. And God knows when his people live that way, There's a freedom, there's a life that he wants us to enjoy, but there's also a testimony. In an anxious, overwhelmed world, a person who lives in peace sticks out like a sore thumb. And God wants to gift you with it. He wants to relieve you of it. And he wants to use you through it. And having confidence in that part of your faith is no different than having confidence in a God who can save your very soul, right? One principle, one confession, two practical tools, right? So what do you do with this? I want to I explain this to you and then what's going to happen is the band's going to come out and we're actually going to do this. So we're going we're to we're take the time to, to do this, okay? But let me explain it first. Two practical tools. Here's the first practical tool. The first thing that I want to do when I'm trying to use anxiety as a tool to point me toward Christ so I can import uh, helpful hope is I want to do this. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to help me. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to help me. Now, I know some of you are like, Jeff, that's the most pastor answer thing you could possibly say. And you're right, but I am too. So listen to me, right? So this is what we need to do. What does the Holy Spirit do? He does a bunch of things, but one of the a couple of the biggest things he does is in this area. He brings us comfort. He is a helper. He empowers the word of God in our lives. He makes verses, not information, but actual the power of God in our lives. The Holy Spirit is a powerful gift from Jesus Christ to his people. So when I am anxious to actually stop and say, God, would you through your Holy Spirit help me? Help me identify what I'm actually anxious about. I'm not mad that the weed eater wouldn't start. I'm sad my friend died. I'm not ticked off that the stupid light wouldn't go together like it was supposed to. I'm actually just grieving the loss of somebody that I love and their presence in my life. I need God to sort that out for me sometimes. Right? I'm, not, I'm not feeling insecure and slighted at work. I'm actually scared that I'm not valuable unless I have that job title. I don't just think the coach is a jerk i actually struggling because my identity was in my athletic ability. And the Holy Spirit of God will help us when we pray and we go to God and we ask for help. He'll help us utilize anxiety as a tool to understand what's going on, okay? So the first thing we're going to do is so we're going to pray and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit for help. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to cast our cares. We're going to cast our cares. This is what I want to, I want you to do. I want you to think about your cares this way, right? I want you to kind of get a, 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 a mental image in your brain. I want you to think about your cares as something that you can pick up. I can. I can go and I can pick up my anxiety. I can pick up my insecurity. I can pick up my pain. I'm going to Pick it up, and I'm gonna walk it to Jesus, and I'm gonna put it at His feet. The God who can save your soul is the God who can deal with your stress. I'm gonna pick it up. Holy Spirit revealed to me what I'm really struggling with is my identity because I was always an athlete, now I didn't make the varsity. I'm gonna pick it up. That's not my identity. I'm a citizen of heaven and I'm gonna walk it over, and I'm gonna put it at the feet of Jesus. Jesus, you saved my soul, you saved my life. Help me think of myself the way that you actually say is true about me. You gotta help me. If I could have dealt with this and not worried about it, I would have flipped that switch a long time ago. So you gotta help me, and I give it to you. And that is not a one-time thing, that is a habit that's why we pray in part without ceasing. I'm going to I'm going to put that at Jesus's feet a thousand times this weekend. Right? So we're going to ask for help. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to identify that, and then we're going to take it and we're going to put it at Jesus's feet where it belongs. Okay? Jesus, you who are our ever-present help in time of trouble, Lord, we, we want to receive what you want to give, and so that we exchange work, the kids, the boyfriend, the dream that was lost, the disappointment. we. We exchange it for your presence, for your power. We exchange the guilt, the shame. We exchange it for your forgiveness, for your mercy. And Lord, in this moment, would you just lift the burden? Would you lift the the overwhelmingness, would you clear the mind? God, would we just experience what you promise us on a level that maybe we've never experienced it before? Jesus, as we worship you, as we surrender to you, as we follow you, we are just believing what you said. Putting our confidence in our faith, not in us or better circumstances, we're putting it all in you and asking you to work deeply in our lives. In these moments, with these promises, would you work in us? We ask these things in your name, Jesus.